Let's turn to the scriptures this morning. Matthew chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6. We're just going to read one verse. The Lord Jesus is the speaker, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for every remembrance of your son this morning. We thank you for his broken body. We thank you for his precious shed blood. We thank you we're still afforded at this day and hour the freedom and the liberty to come into your presence, to preach your word and to gather together one with the other. And so, Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds this morning. And, Lord, as you deem fit to do, will you do with each and every one of us and deal as you deem it fit to deal. Father, for all those who are not here this morning, those who are sick and weakly this morning, we pray for your blessing, for your strength, for your help with them. For those who will watch live or later, that your blessing would be with them also. But for us who are here, for the children, for the the babies in the crest now, we pray for the leaders and all the helpers. We ask you, Lord, that you would bless them and encourage them. And Father, if... Lord, there's one here this morning who's not yet known your Son as their own Lord and personal Savior. If there's one who has strayed away from you, if there's a Christian, Lord, who's halting between two opinions in service, if, if there's someone, Lord, who has treated your service, Lord, as nothing, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to all of our hearts, encourage your people, and glorify your Son. For it's in his name we ask it. Amen. Who is your master is the, the title of our subject this morning. Who is your master? The Lord Jesus says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Here's the thing. Sometimes and I have done it numerous times as well. When people are anxious and concerned, fretful, when people are worried, I I would say, read Matthew chapter 6, where the Lord Jesus repeatedly says, take no thought for tomorrow. But we're not to be concerned and take thought for tomorrow. But the premise on understanding this to its fullness and receiving that blessing in its totality, is in verse 24. Who is our master for it's he who we will serve? Do we serve even self? Are we self-serving as our master's self? Is our master something else? Or is our master Christ? And hence, when the Lord Jesus is saying, you can't serve two masters You're going to either hate one and love the other or hold the one and despise the other. He's saying it's time 
to make up your mind. Do you want the world and the things of the world, or do you want Christ and his salvation and glory? Make up your mind. And the Lord Jesus is saying on this premise, those who have him as their master, Jesus as their savior, they can then say, for example, in verse 25, therefore I say unto you, and when you read therefore, read what was previously said. There's no, you can't serve two masters. Who will you love? Who will you hold on to? If it's Christ, he says, therefore, if it's Christ, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. And what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? So, brothers and sisters, we need to get into the place of relationship and fellowship with Christ in order to understand the rest of the chapter. If you are fully, completely and totally sold over and sold out for Christ, if you are in close communion and fellowship with him, then you can say, I'll take no thought for the morrow, what I shall eat or what I shall wear, and so on. Because Jesus is saying, here is the premise. Who is your master? Here is the premise. Who do you serve? Now, all of us can let the Holy Spirit search our own hearts. And if he puts something on you, brother or sister, or has been speaking or dealing with you, then that's between you and the Lord. Notice, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. Would you say hate? Now, we all know what hate is. We all know what hate is. But I want to look at this word, what Jesus is using and why he's using it. The word hate here is the word maseo. Maseo. And this little word maseo for hate has been called one of the strongest, fiercest words in the whole of the Greek New Testament. Stay with me. It is said to be a strong word used. It actually carries the idea of a hatred that can turn extremely violent. So Jesus is saying, if you don't love me, they who don't know me nor love me, that's why they hate me so vehemently. That's why people hate him so vehemently. You either love me, he says, or you will hate me to the point of vehemently hating me. And that's why in the world we're living in, so many people hate the Christian who's in fellowship with Christ. They hate the man and the woman who loves the Lord Jesus Christ because they see Christ in you. And because you want to walk in his ways. And you don't want to walk in theirs. So in Matthew 6 and 24, this little word hate or meseo, it means it's given in order to make a point. The Lord Jesus didn't say this just glibly or by the way. He's making a point here. 
He's emphasizing the very verse that we're reading. For example, this is not disliking. He's not saying, well, if you say you love me and you love another master, one of us is going to receive more. He's not saying that. You, you, love, you love me and you love this other thing as well. You love me and you love mammon. Well, God willing, we'll look at it. But you, or you love me and you, you love some of the world. You love me, but you love the drink. You love me, but you love this, that, or the other. And look, it's a disliking maybe. You would maybe dislike me because you feel so restricted in your lifestyle before me because I become a drudgery to you. He's not saying that. What he's saying is this. You either love me or you don't. You either love me or you don't. You can't say you love me and love another master. You can't say you love me and love the world. The things of the world. He's saying you either love me or you don't. Do you love him this morning? Do you love him? He's saying, for if you love me, then the master you've been holding on to, you will hate it. Let me put it like this. Do you hate your sin? I'm not talking about someone else's lifestyle. I'm not talking about someone else's sinning. Do you hate your own? The closer one gets to the Lord Jesus, the darker the sin will seem. And it will grieve you. It will grieve your heart every time we fail. He's not saying or talking about disliking but he's talking about a radical, violent aversion to someone or something. If you love one, then radically it could become violent in your heart. So let me put it like this. If you love him, if you deeply love the Savior, do you radically, even violently hate the things of the world? Or are they just all right? Or when you look at them, think of the things. I don't need to make a list. I don't need to speak it out and portray it in detail for you this morning. But when you look at the world, I was in Belfast at the weekend, and I'm not going to go into it all, but what i seen, it's not the city I grew up in. Men dressed as women canoodling in a cafe. You look at it and say, Lord, would you come soon? 
Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Even to the point where when you look at this world, do you hate the way it's went? The spirit of the age, the zeitgeist of this world. For example, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 9, this little word hate and assail, John writes, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Now the word Maseo is there, hateth his brother. If you hate a brother or a sister in the Lord, if you hate them, sometimes I hear things, I read things and the venom that comes out one against another, especially on social media, it's ungodly. And Jesus says, if you detest and hate someone that much, he said, that's not off the Lord. You're in darkness. Speaking with venom and hate against your brother and sister, it means you're in darkness. In fact, this verse, very definitely it coincides with the words of the Lord Jesus in Luke 11 and verse 23, when he says, He that is not with me is against me. Notice, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. In other words, he's saying there's no sitting on the fence with two masters here. You have one side, you're not sitting there and one foot's in one field and one foot's in the next. And you're sitting on the fence, brother. You're sitting on the fence, sister. The devil owns the fence. Jesus is saying it's not only that, well, you love me a little and someone else a little. Jesus is saying it's not that I'm your master sometimes and the other part of the time you give to another master even. He's not saying, well, I'll be your master during the day and someone else can be your master during the night or vice versa. He's not saying any of that. He's saying, if you're not with me, you're against me. So men and women fall into two classes when they're even in Christ. Those who are in close fellowship with him and those who are not. Those who are in close fellowship with him and those who are not. How's your fellowship doing? When people ask, how's the fellowship, I just think of, Christ encounters tabernacle and all of us gathering for fellowship. But when I say, how's your fellowship doing with Jesus? Are you in close fellowship with him? Because you love him? Are you in close fellowship and in relationship with him? Because he means everything to you. How's your fellowship with Jesus? Two categories. There's no um, fellowship a little bit, and then I'm not a little bit. He's saying, where are you with me? And in the words of my pastor, as he used to always ask us, Pastor McConnell, he used to say, 
Brother, sister, how's your love life? Then he used to say, it's not between yourselves, between you and the Lord. How's your love life? I used to love it because it checked me, kept me in check, challenged me of my love for the Savior. So how's your love life this morning? In Matthew 6, in our chapter, in verse 21, the Lord Jesus had expressed something. He says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, where your treasure is, Ken, where your treasure is, Billy, where your treasure is, Sean, I could go on. There will your heart be also. The old Puritan says, Since he hath looked upon me, my heart is not mine own, for he hath run away to heaven with it. See, from I have got saved, from I was saved, the Lord Jesus took my heart and he ran away to heaven with it. My heart is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's run away to heaven with it. Brother, sister, let him run away with your heart, will you? He'll guard it for you. He won't break it. He'll guard it. This, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This goes right back to the law of God. Showing here that Jesus wasn't doing away with the law, but actually he magnified it and fulfilled it. Magnified it to show us the depths of the property of our nature. That even though look, a glimpse, a little theft, you know, a little thing, he magnifies it all. And this goes right back to the law of God, or if you want to, the ten moral commandments. Turn with me, if you will, and keep Matthew 6 marked. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, please. And we'll read from from verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless. Talking about the old covenant. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. In other words, the fault was found in us that we couldn't keep the the law for our salvation, but it was found in us. Verse 8, And finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the day is come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. 
not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continue not in my covenant. And I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And when Christ made the new covenant, he ratified it. And Pastor Glenn brought us around the table this morning. This is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which was shed. And instead of the commandments written on tables of stone, they're written in our hearts and minds. And so when Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, no man can serve two masters, it's to do with a love relationship. It's to do with a heart matter. And the first of the the commandments was when Jesus was asked, what is the first and great commandment? What did he say? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And here's what the Lord Jesus was doing. Just like the two tables of stone, the first four is thou shalt love the Lord thy God. It's between man and God, woman and God. It goes vertical from heaven and earth. And then the next six of the ten goes between ourselves. How we should treat one another and live before one another, not covering over one another, nor lying and stealing and so on. And the very first and great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all of thy strength. And hence Jesus writes it in our hearts. He writes it in our hearts. The Ten Commandments could be written in every building across this land. And people will read it. I wish it was, by the way. And people would read it and say, maybe a conviction will come. And they would say, oh, well, you know, not make any images and go right down the whole lot of them, not covering and so forth. You know, that, that's strong because they realize that they do these things sometimes. I'm going to not do those anymore and walk away and realize the commandments are forgotten as soon as they walk away. But when they're written on the heart of the born-again believer, when they're written upon the tables of your heart and mine, the Holy Spirit, He causes us to walk in grace and freedom. He causes us to walk according to the Word of the Lord and the ways of God, loving Jesus. And so is his commandments grievous? Absolutely not. I'm going to look at it in a few seconds. So, for example, in Matthew 6 and verse 24, no man can serve two masters. Would you say serve? Serve. serve. See the word serve? It's the word do you owe. Do you owe. It gives the idea to obey, to submit Notice, to obey or to submit. And it comes from a word, doulos, which means to be a slave or a servant. A doulos, which means to be a slave or a servant. I won't go into it to read it all out, but if you're taking notes, read Exodus 21, verses 1 1 to 6. And you can read, 
Deuteronomy 15, verses 12 to 18, just for time's sake. But let me tell you about the love servant or the love slave. When in Hebrew, remember this is Hebrew law, when the Hebrew uh, fell into gross debt and he owed someone money. Do you know in the Bible there's no prisons except for in the heathen? There's no prisons in Israel. They were dealt with according to the law of God. Some were, on some certain sins, they were stoned to death or put out of the way. Others had to uh, pay back what they owed fourfold, like, you know, we think of Zacchaeus paying back what he owed fourfold. So in, in, in Israel, there were no prisons. There were pits and all, all over the place and other peoples, but not in Israel. God gave us the law to be able to deal with these things. And here's the thing. See if, see if this province had a dealt with murderers the way they should have according to biblical law at the start, we wouldn't be in the, the predicament we're in tonight. I don't care where they're from or who they are. We wouldn't be in this predicament we're in today. And here we find this love slave. Here's what it, if the Hebrew uh, was in debt to another Hebrew, they brought them in, the wife and the family, if they had it, or else when they were in servitude, depending how long it would be, what they done was they, they brought them in and they served. They became, as it were, a slave, but a servant. And say it's coming up to the time when they're being released, they've paid their debt, and so on. So what would have happened was, unless the man had found a wife while he was a servant in that household, married her and had children, well, they still were to serve on in that household. But the man was released to go. He had paid his debt. He paid his debt. And when you, when you think of uh, Matthew chapter 18, do you know the man owns, owes 10,000 talents? And he can't pay it. It's too big a debt. And he's freely allowed to go. This is from the law. He was freely allowed to go. And he goes outside and he finds someone who owes him 1,000 talents. And he says, grabs him as it were with a scruff. And he says, you better pay me everything you owe me and so on. And then the master heard and brought him in and uh, chastised him for it and so on. Well, this was to do with the servitude. That's what that parable is about. About forgiveness. If you've been forgiven much, then forgive much too. But the Hebrew slave, once his time was over, if he went to go and he seen his master, he was treated well and he, he loved his master. The master took him, if you want, to the city council courthouse, took him by the ear, took a large nail called an awl, and he nailed him to the door or to the post of the door. Nailed him in. Pulls it out as the witnesses see. And he has a mark in his ear. And everywhere that man goes. He has this mark. And no one can take him into slavery again. Because his debt was paid and he was free. But he's saying I'm staying with my master to serve him. To yield to him. To give my life fully unto him. Not because I have to, but because I want to. 
because I love him. My brothers and sisters, you and I had a debt we couldn't pay. We had a debt that we owed and we were freely forgiven through the blood of Christ. And everywhere we go should have the mark, not on an ear, but in the heart, that we belong to the Master. That none, none can claim us under their authority. This man was free to go and come as he pleased. He had the mark. The blood was marked. The debt was paid. And this man could come and go. And hence the word here, for serve. No man can serve two masters. The Lord Jesus is using the word dunio. And that's for the word service from love. And the doulos is the love servant or slave. And hence what he is saying here. No man can serve two masters. The word master is kurios. It means lord, owner, one who is supreme in authority. And it gives the idea of he to whom a person or a thing belongs and he who has deciding power. No man can serve two masters. In other words, you can't be under two people who have a deciding power over your life. You can't belong to someone who has a deciding power and belong to someone else who has a deciding power for never the twain shall meet. I said it to someone this morning. Can both walk together except they be agreed? That's why we have all the trouble in Ulster today. They can't agree. Both can't walk together except they agree. Here's a question for you. Who do you belong to? This morning, who do you belong to? Who gets to decide your life? And who gets to decide your ways of salvation? What or who is your God and master? Who owns you? The devil? Does he own you part of the time? Because Jesus says if he does then there's darkness. Who reigns within your heart? So this love servant or slave is sold over to the sovereign possessor of themselves. Who is your sovereign possessor? Is it Christ? Or is it someone or something else? Listen to the words of John in 1 John 5 and verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. The word grievous, as I said, I would get to it, is the word barus. Listen, see to be a child of God. People go, oh, I'm always struggling. I'm one foot in the world and then not. I can't stay sanctified in my lifestyle. And I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I don't get it. I never have. From Christ saved me and took me out of the world of alcohol and drugs and everything else. I don't get it. I don't get it. For when he saved me, he not only saved my life, 
he saved my soul. I belong to him. I belong to him. He's my sovereign. He's the one who possesses me. He's my master. He's my God. He's my king. He's the one who has every decisive sway over my life. And I serve him, and it's not grievous, barus. It means, it gives the idea of being heavy. Being heavy. It's actually used of uh, Jacob when he was blessing the sons of Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh. And Jacob crosses his hands to bless the lads. And his right hand should have been on Manasseh and his left hand on Ephraim, the younger. But he crosses over and puts his right hand on Ephraim and his left one on Manasseh. And as he's prophesying and blessing the lads, it gives the idea that Joseph comes to lift the hand of Jacob. And the word there is he comes to take his hand off and he found his daddy's hand really heavy. Sure of it. Sure of it. The Lord bless the lads. Moses watching Israel fighting the Midianites when he lifts up the staff. After a while his hands got heavy. It's the same word. His arms start to go down. Iron and her come at each arm and lift them up for Israel to win the battle. What John is saying, the commandments in our hearts to walk with Christ, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and to love the Lord Jesus Christ is not grievous. It's not heavy. Brothers and sisters, it's a privilege and it's a blessing. To serve Christ is a privilege. And to love Christ is a blessing. Someone once said, if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. In other words, it's not work. You just you go because you love it. You're in your job. I'll just love going to my job and working. I haven't found too many of them, I have to say, that said that over the years. And I have to be honest, sometimes even in ministry, I go, help, Lord. I want to run away, Lord. But if you love something, it's easy. Yeah, times are difficult, but it's worth it. It's easy. If you love the Lord Jesus, to serve him, to walk with him, to be sanctified from the world, to live a godly life, it's easy. It's easy. You know, I've, I've talked with Christians many times and they've struggled, to, oh, the, the, the temptation of the drink. Like, I understand. I came from that background. Oh, the temptation of the drink. And I do understand. But listen, brother, listen, sister. 
Do you know how you get over the temptation of the drink? Surrender yourself to Jesus. Give your whole life to him. Surrender yourself to the Lord. A heart that's always in the drink, woman, and out of it, is not surrendered. Not surrendered to him. I'm only using that for one example. It becomes another master to you. You don't master it. It masters you. Oh, if I go into this crowd, maybe, and I don't act like them, then I'll be the odd one out. Good! You're meant to be. You're meant to be different. Set apart. Good! Rejoice that they see and know the difference in you. It was understood, according to the time and custom in ancient Israel, that a slave had no time which was their own. Every moment of his life belonged to his master. Every moment of his life belonged to his master. The slave literally had no moment of time which belonged to himself. Every moment belonged to his owner, and he was always at his owner's disposal. You know, some of you, brethren and sisters, maybe you have a job where you're on call. Maybe you're at home, but you're on call. And, you know, people say, oh, well, you're at home, it's great, but you know what we think is always in the back of your mind? The phone could ring at any minute, or you're coming in, and the phone could ring at any minute. It's always there. You're checking, maybe, and you're looking. It's the, same in, it's the same as a pastor in ministry. Well, I don't know if it's for everybody. For me, 24-7, I'm thinking of this. Thinking of this. Thinking of here. Thinking of you. Thinking of the work. 24-7. Wake up. Going to bed. Just going. Looking for a word. I find it hard even sometimes to devotionally open the scriptures and read without looking for something for here. Every time, I may not be, my hands have went soft over the years, look, a pastor's hands now, we soft ones. They weren't always like that, but they are now. And I may not be able to do the physical labor that many would do and keep up the pace of it. But when you go home and switch off, you have your time. It doesn't work like that for those who are in ministry. They may even be sitting in the house, but it's there. Every time you walk by the study, you're thinking, I'll go in and just check this. I'll go in and look this up. And that's not a complaint. What I'm saying is this. I'm trying to give you something to help you see. The slave was always on call. Even though he was there, he was always on call. And the Lord Jesus is saying, no man can serve and always being on call, having two masters. Because you're going to love one and you're going to hate this one. Or you'll hold to this one and despise the other. Such is the heart of man and woman who loves the Lord Jesus Christ. No Puritan called Thomas Manton. Uh, 
quickly commenting on the scripture, we love him because he first loved us. He said, love is like an echo. It returneth what it receiveth. We love him because he first loved us. And so love is like an echo. It returneth what it receiveth. We love the Lord. He first loved us. So in turn, we love him back. And what we have received of him, we will love him again. In fellowship and communion with the Lord. And so I'm running this to a close then. Verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There's been a bit of a debate what the word mammon is, and mostly people would think it's uh, possessions and riches and so on. So what about the person who doesn't have possessions and riches and so on? Does that mean they don't have that master? But others believe that uh, this comes from the idea of a pagan god, for example, Baal, worship, brought in the use of mammon. And Jesus is saying, you can't love me and Babylon at the same time. Babylonian worship. I know I've been more devotional this morning on the things of the heart with the Lord, but just for a second, this Babylonian world now we are living in, this whole system of stuff, things, It's all Babylonian, the monetary system. The ecumenical worship of Babylon. All the groups that are getting together, all that Babylonian materialistic groupings of of a new world order trying to gather together. Here's what Jesus would be saying. Christian, Christian, You cannot love me and say you love that too. For either you're going to love me and hate it, or you're going to love it and hate me. Remember when the devil took the Lord Jesus up into an exceeding high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, all the things that were in it. He says, all these I'll give you if, you if you just bow down and worship me. But Jesus didn't come for things. Jesus came for souls. He came for you and me. Do I yield myself fully to my Father's will and law and word? Or do I take an easy way out, bend one knee and say, okay, give me this and this will do. Sure, it's only once. It's only one thing. It wasn't only once. And it wouldn't be only one thing. It would be a perpetual damnation to you and me if he had have done that. So Mammon, in Exodus 20, verse 4 says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness 
of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the waters underneath the earth. And this is the second commandment now. First one, loving the Lord. Now don't make any graven images. If you love me, don't do this. Not only are many bowing down to idols and statues of all manner, but it shows that they know not Christ and the love of Christ isn't there. Revelation 18, verse 2. That's us. You let the children know they can make their way up, please. Thank you. Revelation 18. Let's read verse 1. And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen, has become the habitation of devils. And the hold of every foul spirit and cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Here's the word. It's the word messio. Used for a purpose. For Jesus says you'll hate one and love the other. The word love there would be agape or agape. A love called out of the heart according to the preciousness of the object that is loved. If I'm your master, you serve me because I call out the love of your heart. Because I'm so prized by you. So you'll hate the world and vice versa. Either the world will call the love out of your heart according to the preciousness of it because you prize it so much and you will hate me then. That's what he's saying. And here he's saying there is in Babylon that is in our world system today it's a habitation of devils, a hole of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful misuel bird. And the idea is, is that they are full of hate for the things of God, full of hate for the righteousness of God, full of hate for the Christ of God, full of hate for the word word of God, full of hate for the holiness of God, and they're full of hate for the Christian in God. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the, the, the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. What does he say? And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come. You got your Bible open? Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not her plagues. For her sins have reached up unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Brothers and sisters, when I'm saying this, I'm saying this uh, 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 as the last statement of this morning. Ulster has been dragged back in. Northern Ireland has been dragged back in to the European Union. Being swallowed up by the European Union. It is Babylon. It is bringing all sorts of laws. It It has been and it will do. Things will get worse while they have a grip on Ulster. Brothers and sisters, get the EU out of Ulster. See? It's the beast of prophecy, along with the WEF and the United Nations and the WHO. We need to be free from it. My master is the Lord Jesus Christ, and him only will I serve. Amen, brothers and sisters?
God bless you this morning. Take